Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to episode 35 of the Women's Running podcast. I'm Esther Newman, editor of Women's Running, and this week I'm chatting to Bryony Gordon, author, columnist, podcaster, founder of Mental Health Mates, underwear marathon runner and champion of body positivity, Bryony has always been firmly on our radar. I first met Bryony just over a year ago before our first lockdown and the world tipped off its axis. We met then as part of the Celebrate You crew, a bunch of women all running the Vitality 10,000 or the London Marathon with the ambition of encouraging more women to do the same and to feel confident and empowered by their own bodies. Since launching Mental Health Mates a few years ago, Bryony also encouraged the event directors of the Vitality 10,000 to make mental health a focus of the run too. And last year, we all ran the virtual Vitality 10,000 for our heads as well as our hearts. We're about to do the same this May too. If you'd like to join us, there's plenty of time to sign up to the virtual event at vitalitylondon10,000.co.uk. It costs just £19 to enter, and for that you'll get a beautiful medal and a technical tee. You can run at any time in the May half term, and you'll be part of our 10k community. It would be lovely to have you with us. Holly and I are doing it too, and we'll be talking about our training in next week's podcast, so listen in for that. Bryony talks to me here about founding Mental Health Mates when she realised that that community didn't exist already, and she talks frankly about her own mental health. She also talks about running and changing the reason why she ran, for the gains and not for the losses. She's a joy and an inspiration. Enjoy. The Women's Running Podcast is sponsored by Decathlon Second Life. Second Life is a new sustainability initiative helping us to recycle, repair and reuse sports equipment. Decathlon wanted to reduce the number of products going to waste, so their team of expert technicians refurbish used products such as bikes and treadmills, before offering them to you with the same guarantees and returns policy as a brand new product. And they haven't stopped there either. Every product comes with a minimum 10% discount, meaning Second Life works for our planet and your pocket. Decathlon is dedicated to sustainability, and this is another step in our journey to a greener future. With your support, Decathlon hopes Second Life will save over 100,000 kilograms of carbon emissions this year alone. Give a product a second life. Find out more at secondlife.decathlon.co.uk. But it must be quite weird to be asked questions, actually, because you do a podcast. So what does it feel like to be with me asking you questions rather than you asking the questions? That feels a bit strange um uh, yeah it's a bit weird like 
I'm sort of a bit used to it now. Like I don't, I don't mind. Like it's, it's actually, I think it's helped my interviewing skills because I realise it's not. Like I used to get really scared before I sat down to interview someone because I thought they would just instinctively be like, oh, I'm the defensive or whatever, or you know, evil journalist. But I now realise that actually, it's it's helped me. It's given me an. It gives me an insight into how to be a better interviewer. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't mind it. It's quite nice to talk about myself. <laughs> Good. <laughs> well, that's useful for me then. <laughs> so, I mean, I think like the first thing that I was like, um, I just, I've got my little list of, list of like briny bullet points. Okay. Because okay. I alliterate here. Um, so I've got sort of things about you. Um, it's all these books. You've, you've written so many books, which makes me really envious because Obviously, I'm a frustrated novelist. Um, and I've never written a novel, though. Would you ever? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I, you know, I've, it's interesting because I, like, I think writing a novel is a is a complete is a completely different thing to writing nonfiction, um, and that's definitely what I want to do next. Um, but yeah, I've never written a novel, so I, I, you know, like when people go, oh, I, I've always wanted to write a novel. I'm like oh, you're totally talking to the wrong person because I don't, I don't have a clue. And like, it's a different skill set. Although I'm doing some work on something which I can't really talk about that involves, it, it's like fictionalised and it's really fun. Like I'm really enjoying it. Do you know what I mean? Like allowing, because I don't feel so self-conscious. I don't feel like I'm having to edit myself and all, oh, what are people going to think if I admit this? Or, you know, like it doesn't, it sort of doesn't matter. And though, although I've, I've always written quite, um, <laughs> you know, all my writing is very out there, you know, like I'm very, I suppose, quite unquote honest, you know, I, I, I suppose that's what I'm sort of all my books have in common, but, um, but you also have to bear in mind, like, I, I, I'm always constantly thinking about the other people in my life. So like my husband, my daughter, my parents, you know, my, my siblings, all of that, because, you know, I can't tell their story, do you know what I mean? And it's not fair to. So there's, there's always, you're sort of constantly sort of thinking what, how, how much can I put in this? How far, whereas doing um, fiction, it's like the sky's the limit, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's one thing I was going to ask about was the sort of confessional nature in a way of of a lot of your writing that you put so much of yourself out there but obviously you must keep yeah there's lots I don't put out there and I and I you know the I sort of that word confessional I find like I I just I think it's like everything I've written people have got in touch with me and told me that it's happened to them too and like I think the reason I got I've suffered so much in my life is thinking that I'm the only one that has experienced these things and that I'm a freak and I'm the worst person in the world. And then, so writing about them is really my way of saying, if this has happened to you too, it's like a way of finding my people. Do you know what I mean? It make, it, it helps me a lot mm-hmm. because people come back and they go, Oh, I, I've done that too. What a relief. And it's a relief for me as well, because you know, all, mental illnesses work like that they kind of isolate you and make you feel very freakish when in fact all it it's an illness like any other do you know what I mean it's your brain misfiring as all organs will do at some point or not not all but you know as organs have a tendency to do so um I I think that I don't you know I've had to the things I've written I've had to say they've been part of my um They'd like a, it's like a survival thing do you know what I mean like I've got really well through writing this stuff you know I feel like my and I can't like if people are kind of judgy about it that's their problem do you know what I mean it's not my it's not my place and I don't and as I said and people go well do you worry about your daughter reading it one day and, and I kind of find that such a bizarre question because it's like I hope my daughter one day lives in a world where people can talk about this stuff openly do you know what I mean they don't Mm. because it doesn't it doesn't get to the kind of extreme points that it got to for me if 
there's an outlet, a safe and healthy outlet for it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that's why I write this stuff because it's like this is this is we all go through variations of these things and you know and I you know for example addiction and alcoholism like everyone is touched by that you know like you don't have to be not I'm not saying everyone is an alcoholic or an addict but you know most people know someone who is or has been affected by those issues so I just think it's either we just want to kind of pretend they don't happen and bury them under the carpet and not talk about them and then people continue to suffer in silence or we admit they happen and people can be more open and breathe out and get better and that's what my work is about really so yeah I loved I loved what you were saying when when you were talking about how um your writing is is helpful for you when you do it Mm. um and I I loved I was I was reading something that you'd written about how you were coming to the end of Mad World or you came to the end of Mad World and it, it it feels like you had like like at least two epiphanies if not more, if not more but the but two kind of almost direct consequences of that were going for a run mm. and and finding that particular kind of tool um but also setting up mental health mates yeah so mad, uh, mad girl which was my second book sorry mad girl, no yeah. that's all right it's one of two uh in which i wrote about my ocd and sort of depression and um but yeah, I, I, work it, writing it was like, it was me kind of, it, yeah, I was trying to work some stuff out. And I, by just admitting to it, because orig- originally I'd written about my OCD in a column in the Telegraph and I'd had such a huge response back and it had been really helpful for me. And then, um, yeah, like obviously writing about the stuff is, is very difficult. So I had writing mad girl I was in, I was not in a great place but that's okay mm. but yeah I did <laughs> I did realize I thought I'm gonna try this running malarkey because I'd like tried all the different combinations of drugs and alcohol to try and make myself feel better none of them had worked and spoiler alert they've made things much much worse <laughs> and I was like maybe I should try doing what the experts say so that was how I yeah discovered what I got into running but then also how I came up with the idea of mental health mates because I was out running on my local common and I, I saw all these people um, sort of exercising together or coming, you know, congregating together. And I was listening to this podcast about the writer Carson McCullers, who um, she died of alcoholism in her fifties, but she'd also, she tried to kill herself on several occasions and there was this archive audio footage of her and she said sometimes it feels like everyone is part of a we except for me and that sort of summed up to me what what it felt like to be unwell and so I thought I need to find my we (laughs) so I went home and I was like I'm gonna tweet something out and see if people want to come for a walk and you know my husband was like what if a load of nutters turn up and I was like that's (laughs) the point (laughs) and um and yeah, and, and, and so it was five years ago now and I, and I turned up and said, I'll be at this place at this time. And if you want to come, come and 20 people showed up and it's now this sort of thing or it's all over the country. People do their own mental health mates walks and you know, I have very little to do with it now. And that's the joy is like, it's not a, it allows people to find their own kind of tribes and it gives them a bit of agency when otherwise they might not have any you know um so yeah it's not something I ever imagined I would do or but it's it's lovely to see how it grows and how and like the amazing work of so many of the walk leaders and how it helps them in the same way it's helped me yeah and I read that there was that lovely comment you had um from from an older woman who said that she hoped that yours was going to be the last generation to sort of keep things under wraps sort of thing Mm, in terms of mental health and I thought I found that quite weepy well yeah I do think that a lot of um you know I think a lot of what's happening now culturally you know in the greater landscape of you know we talk about the culture wars and woke and da 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 and Brexit and Trump who thankfully (laughs) isn't president anymore but I think a lot of it is that sort of death rattle of a culture whereby 
you keep quiet and you you know it's all about serving a particular type of person and anything that doesn't serve that type of person doesn't you know is, is to be kind of um is to be shouted down and silenced you know and I think that's what we're seeing now and I, because people can't deal with it like people can't deal with you know if you're if you yourself have grown up and you haven't had any of those opportunities it's to talk about stuff going on it, it can be really weird to see it you know I understand how um but I, I do think yeah and if in a few generations time, this will be, it will be kind of, it'll be totally normal. Well, I hope it will. But um, yeah, I don't think. Back to that idea of, 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 um, of course, being okay with your daughter reading your books. Yeah. And also I think we hear a lot about like an epidemic of mental health issues happening at the moment, but I, and I'm sure that social media and all of, you know, an online living comes with all, and, and obviously a pandemic comes with all of its own unique pressures that haven't been seen before. But I don't think that our children, like young people now or are more, you know, it's, I don't think it's more common. I think that the pressures are different and, and they manifest in different ways. But people have always suffered from mental illness. Like always. Do you know what I mean? They just haven't just spoken about it. And so when you hear kind of people going, oh, in my day, you know, it was, it, we didn't talk about this thing. We just got on with it. Stiff upper lip. And I, I was fine. And it's like, well, maybe you were fine, right? But what about, there were lots of people that weren't fine. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> lots of people that fell into alcoholism, addiction. They killed themselves. But it was... It wasn't called suicide because suicide was illegal until 1961. It was a crime, you know. It's like there's, a, there's all these assumptions. And anyway, you know, I, I think I don't know where I've gone with that, but it's it. You know, I, I think it's uh, yeah, it's always been there, and I think we're just talking about it more and not as willing to suffer with it anymore. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talk about it a lot more. We talk about it a lot more in the magazine, um, and I think that's because of the the massive widespread acceptance that running mm. is a very important tool, and and it's a kind of such an important thing for us to get out there. Is it's not, you know, we don't we don't want to encourage women to run for some other reason other than it feels good. You know, it really does feel good, and it might just only feel good when you stopped running but it really does feel it really is beneficial really does feel good so um but why why did you choose why was it running particularly was it just those groups on the common was it yeah I don't I don't know I mean it's funny isn't it who knows why I I just it was something I could do it was something I could do easily and I didn't have to like sign up to have a gym membership or it, it it was and I I think it's interesting because I had always flirted with exercise and I had done, I had run before. I remember sort of 50, when I was like 29, I did the Great South Run. I didn't know what I was doing, but I did it. And so I hadn't, I wasn't a complete novice. It wasn't like I'd never run before, but I'd always hated it. And the reason I'd always hated it was because I was doing it for totally the wrong reasons. Because I spent the whole time berating myself and going, you're not fast enough. You're not thin enough. You're doing this so that you can lose weight or you can look a certain way. And the moment that (laughs) I stopped doing that and I started doing it, because if I do this for 20 minutes, my body or 30 minutes, whatever, my body is going to start releasing, releasing endorphins and endorphins are going to just make me feel better. Right. And I feel like shit and I could spend all day in this bedroom in the dark and I want to spend all day in this bedroom in the dark. And I'm scared of what happens if I get up and I go outside and I don't spend the day in the in this bedroom in the dark but I'm also scared of what happens if I stay in the dark if that makes sense like I had to do something so running when I started doing it for like for the gains I guess and not the losses it made a real difference and I still struggle a lot with my husband is he's one of those running obsessives who is trying to get his, you know, his kilometer under four minutes or whatever. And he'll, he'll go, you know, and he'll, he'll go, he goes out, he went out on Saturday Sunday and he just ran 30 kilometers. And I'm like, oh, you know, he's not training for anything. You know, I, 
only times I've run 30 kilometers is when I've been training for a marathon and I, I, I've been high as a kite afterwards. It's not like just this casual thing I do on a Sunday. But um, I had to work really hard at getting out of that. And so people often say to like, sometimes people, you know, I don't, you know, like when I did, when I did my first marathon, people were like, what was your time? (laughs) And I'd be like, what, what was your time? And I'd be like, oh, I I haven't done a marathon. I was like, exactly. So shut up. Like, who cares? Like, (laughs) I want to get around it before I'm being swept up by the bin men who are trying to clear the course, you know, obviously, but um I can get into that uh, you know out on the common I'm like oh this man's just like or this woman's just like sped past me and I'm really slow you know I feel like I'm wading through treacle sometimes but I'm doing it and that's you know I have to really be kind to myself in that way and I can also have mornings where I wake up and I'm like I don't want to go for a run and then I don't and then I beat myself up for it and I'm like, as long as this doesn't carry on for more than, say, five, I can let when I'm in that stage, I'm like, this, this can carry on for five days. And then you get the hell out of bed and you just do it. And that's like my that's my baseline. I'm, and I'm lucky because I run now with my friend Emma Campbell, who I know writes a column for your magazine. And so we hold each other accountable in that way. Um, and but I know that each, you know, I was actually talking. I went for a run with her this morning. and We were talking about. You know, it had been about seven days, six days since we'd gone for a run and sort of stuff had got in the way. But we were like, but we put, when we can, we're putting runs in the bag and we're doing it, you know. And the point is, is we're, you know, we're doing at least three a week and it's, it's fine. And I, I don't know. So it's, for me, it's just about getting out there and feeling good. And as you say, like, I never want to go for a run, but I never regret going for one. Yeah, absolutely. But then, so how do you, how do you then make that leap from someone that decides to go for that first run for, for you rather than for any other kind of motive? How do you make the leap from that run to a marathon? How, do, how does that journey start? Well, I mean, it doesn't like, it's not like, oh, today I'm going to get off and run a marathon. It's like, as you know, Esther, it's a, it's a journey. <laughs> it um, I don't know. Like, it's just like, it was like a crazy challenge. I was like, let's do it. Um, but I think, you know, anyone who's done couch to 5k will see like that sense of achievement when, you know, you do it and you follow the program and you get there and you're like, wow, my body's quite awesome. Look what it's done, you know, and that, you know, with the marathon is like, it's, it's, it's like multiplied by a million. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I just, I remember, I still look back and if I could kind of like capture that first marathon I did and the training period leading up to it. And just, I just couldn't believe some weeks what I was doing and what I was managing and how I felt. And I remember when I came to do my last like long run, which was like 20 miles, getting up, going out. And it was a lovely, beautiful April day, similar to today, even though it's March. <laughs> and, uh, and I got up and I ra- went out and I ran 20 miles and then I got home and then I had to like have I had some lunch and then I went and had a meeting in town and then I went and met people for dinner in the evening and then I woke up the next morning and I didn't feel like my body just felt fine and I couldn't I couldn't believe it you know I was like whoa and still now I look back on that and go you know and having gone from I can't I remember being like I've got to be able to run 10k by this point I'm thinking I just can't do it I'm not going to be able to do it Mm. and then getting to the stage of that final long run and being like oh all I've got to do on top of that is another 10k and being like wow that happened in like four or five months you know and I think that for me that's a sort of it's a metaphor for what can happen if you if you just apply yourself and stick with something and you you run through the the really shit bits, you know, and you, and you, and I, and I just, it was magic. It was, I just couldn't believe it. Like that was honestly, that first marathon was one of my best, the best days of my life. And I, I sort of in my head, I'm like, I sh- you know, I keep trying to sort of recreate it and I, and I don't think I, I ever will. And I just need to get over that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, when was that? When was your first marathon? 2017. Was that the London? Yeah. And then I did the next year, I did London again with my friend Jada. Um, 
and she's a plus size model and we'd met and she was like you've done a marathon I was like yeah yeah, yeah. she was like we do one with me I want to do a marathon and so I was like <laughs> okay so we signed up um lucky to be able to get places obviously and um and we were as we were running as we were training for that one I was and it was like the beast from the east it was like a really brutal winter mm. And I remember saying to her, why don't we just do it in our underwear to show that women of all different body types can, can, can do, can do this, you know, that we don't have to be, it's about enjoying yourself. It's about, you know, if, if the elite women can wear this kind of stuff, why can't we? Mm. She was like, yeah, let's do it. So then, (laughs) and as it turned out on the day, so it was like, we trained through that, that winter of 2017, 2018. And it was like, brutal snow horrible and then on the day <clears throat> of the actual marathon it was like 26 degrees <laughs> and our bodies were like what as everyone else's was, oh, was but we marathon. did we were yeah. in our underwear um which i suppose was a was a bonus really but we did come through we basically i think we took as long as like the the guys the the firefighters from the grenfell tower these amazing dudes you know who were wearing like full firefighting outfit and oxygen tanks on their back and then we were in our like underwear and it was so hot and our bodies were so unused to it that we just kind of like were just dawdling through it but we did it um and uh yeah so that's and that was overtaking stories I always find them really hilarious I remember having this at work once because I was I was running a half marathon once and I was overtaken by uh a chap in kind of fatigues i guess and he was wearing a backpack with a weight written on the back of it and it was my weight so he was basically running with me on his back and he was running faster than me mm. well you see this is where we have to stop ourselves because that is a you know it's like everyone's different and like but you're out there running it you know it's like just because you're not running with like a washing machine on your back like some people do um in fact, I think I saw someone train. I've always wondered, how do you train for that? I, the other day I went out in the park and there was a woman and she was dragging. She was running with a tire. <laughs> I was like, maybe she's doing, maybe she's training for something like that. Anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't work. Well, how do you train to run a marathon in your pants? Well, it's a good question because you can't just take off in the local streets in your underwear. Um, because you'd get arrested and it might even be a little bit dangerous. Um, but we, we went to, what we did was I, I have these friends uh, who run this thing called the body camp in Ibiza. And they're, they're these amazing, like fantastic, like exercise retreats, but they're, they're about like doing it because you're enjoying it and not, you know, and it's, and it, you know, they, it's anyone of any ability can go and they tailor it to you and they make you feel really great. And um, I was like, can we, can we come? And then we could, we could try, we were like, we could try doing it in Ibiza, <sighs> doing a run in our underwear, because we thought that in Ibiza, for some reason, they wouldn't, it was warmer, they wouldn't care so much. So we did that. We went and then we ran 15 miles around Ibiza in our underwear. And, no, and literally no one batted an eyelid. Okay. That was our like dry run to check out which bits of us are going to like chafe and where are we going to have, do, do you know what I mean? Where are we going to put the, where are we going to keep things? Yes. Actually in the end, a great friend of mine, who's very much um, called Tim Weeks. He ran alongside us with a backpack on with all of our stuff to support us. So we could do it, which was fantastic. God Useful. bless him he's an amazing man and he uh yeah um so yeah so that's how we trained for a marathon <laughs> in our I underwear a person that was basically a, a kind of a personification of a, a running <laughs> hydro pack basically because you mean. can't there's nowhere to put it do you know what I mean? there's nowhere to put like your gels or your uh, and we had to take a lot of like body glide with us because it was a really hot day and also because it was so hot they had firemen outside the fire stations with with like the hoses <laughs> to run through so everything was just running off us so we're like more more but anyway that was fun it was fun the response we got was just incredible 
you know, yeah, so it, positive. It sound like another weeper, but it, you said that your first marathon was the kind of the big, the biggie in terms of how you felt. And it was amazing. Was that the one I was reading about in Eat, Drink, Run? Where yeah, because um, that already made me have a little cry this morning. It's probably time of the month. Um, <laughs> but this, when you talk about meeting Chloe at mile six, yes, and that was and that was in Greenwich, I think. And it's it's like oh, that's really that's it was so moving, so moving. Yeah, I, I it was an amazing moment. People were so. Uh, the funny thing was that they were like because <laughs> I was doing it with their heads together. They loved it. My friends loved it because they got to sit at these cheer points with like Prince Harry and Prince William. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, it's great, Bridie. Will you run a marathon again? I'm like, uh. They're like, we had the best day. And look, I got the selfie with them. They were really funny. And I was like, oh, great. I just ran a marathon, guys. <laughs> My mum was like, oh, Prince Harry's so nice. I'm like, I just ran a marathon. <laughs> Oh, yes. But anyway, let me tell you this story about what Prince Harry said to me. Like, okay. <laughs> to be fair to Prince Harry, he did call me afterwards to congratulate me. So, Oh, well, there you go then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I did. I, yeah, I was like, yeah, it was quite funny. It was a lovely day. It was really fun. Was, was he around to see you after you'd run your second marathon when you were in your pants? No. Oh. Also, it took us so long. I mean, it took me so, the first one took me so long that they weren't there at the finish line, which is why I had to call. <laughs> <laughs> so long. It was like five and a half hours or whatever. Well, I was long. proud of that time. God. Yeah. Uh, no, the second one was... Well, the first one was that amazing. It was that amazing. It was the one that was... You know, the Heads Together was the official charity. And... I'd just done this podcast with Prince Harry in which he spoke about his mental health and it had come out the week before and there was just this amazing energy, you know, and I think Mm -hmm. it sort of like, it certainly took me by, it was just, it felt fantastic. It felt like it was really part of something amazing and something genuinely positive and uplifting for the country. Um, So there was all of that going on as well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you you did, so your first one was then, for heads together and then your second one I did for heads together as well oh did you yeah yeah I think I raised we were, I raised something like 45 thousand pounds for the first one and I think we raised something like 16 that's amazing and so would you have you done another one since no I, I I'm I was supposed to do um I was supposed to do it last year um I signed up to do it in memory of my friend of mine my godson's mother died um, in 2019 of autoimmune liver disease, which is very rare, but it um, it mostly affects women. Um, and she had developed it while pregnant with her second child. And um, Andrea Colville, amazing woman, and um, she very sadly died. Uh, yeah, in July 2019, and her son was. My second son was like 10 months old. So I am my friend, Rob, her husband, her was working, has has set up um, this fund with the Medical Research Foundation to to try and look into more more research, basically, Mm -hmm. for autoimmune hepatitis. Um, So, yeah, so I was signed up last year to do that obviously that didn't happen and then we did have the option to do it in October just virtually but I just thought I can't various stuff it just it didn't work out because you know like last year just didn't work out did it (laughs) (laughs) that's that's a good epitaph I think Um, and and then but I'm hopefully I will do it this October Oh, and finally yeah raise a bit more money for the medical research foundation in memory of andrea which will be lovely and um yeah that's that's sort of my and then maybe that will be it i think you think three (laughs) (laughs) enough yeah i don't know we'll see i i but um but i you know i i'm very much the kind of person that needs to have a very good and like a reason to do these things and i that to me is a very good reason. Yeah. Um, 
So, um, so when do you start yeah. the training? I don't know. Well, it's like, when do you have to start the training for it? Do you know what, right? So I, <laughs> I was looking at, we did some marathon training guides for our last issue. Um, and the, the, the lovely run coach that writes the training guides put a little box in saying, you know, when you're, if you're training for the London Marathon, for instance, you need to start here. Anyway, it said May, which seems May? close. Yeah. But is it like 16 weeks out? I think that's about 20. It might be is that 16 or 20. I don't know. But I think that's kind of um, that really is starting from, you know, your long run is going to be something like four or five miles or something. So, well, I think I, I, I'm nervous about training for something over the summer because I hate running in heat. I think that, that marathon like tormented me. <laughs> But I would rather run through the summer and then get to October and then it to be a bit cooler and be like, wow, I can just like kick this one out than the other way around, which was training through the cold. So quite, I quite, I find, I mean, look, I'm not a fast runner at all, but I find if I'm in the rain and the cold, I just go that little bit faster because I just want to get rain it over with. Rain makes me run faster for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's quite nice that it cools you down, you know, it's like swimming, isn't it? Where you're doing the work, you don't really realise you are. So, um, yeah, so we'll see. Um, it'll be, it'll, uh, you know, it's, it's so, it's such a, yeah, I sort of learned not to plan further than this afternoon. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know I'm, I'm down for further London and, and I'm still being quite tentative about it and I haven't, it's certainly not like this time, well, not this time last year, but kind of like last February where I was kind of gearing myself up for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got as far as, yeah, my memories are, I remember feeling really grateful for that training because I know there's like a lot of people find it really annoying that it was cancelled, obviously. I mean, not annoying, but were disappointed. Yeah. Um, But I sort of tried to feel kind of grateful that I had got myself to like I felt healthy I'd been running 13 14 miles regularly by the point that it was announced that it was cancelled so I felt like oh well okay but oh look the universe has conspired to make me fit and reasonably fit and healthy and there's a pandemic coming along and that's a good thing you know but I was like I'll keep it up I'll keep it up throughout lockdown I'll just be going out long run uh, 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 no like oh and, and to the point where I'm like oh 5k is like wading through treacle <laughs> I did 5k this morning and I was like oh, I'm so sick of it I'm like I have run around that fucking common sorry for swearing <laughs> like 300 times I'm like a dog chasing its tail and I'm so bored of it on boxing day me and my husband went out for a run we ran into town and I barely even realized I was running because I was so like I was so stimulated by everything I was looking at and you realize that so much of running is mental um yeah and uh, I'm just like oh look here we go here's a run same (laughs) common same things try and you know i try and get excited by it but i can't but anyway it's it's kind of upsetting going through the sort of the training ups and downs where you kind of you get yourself up to that i mean it's lovely getting to that point where you're like oh this weekend i'm only doing 10 miles you know it's lovely to get to that sort of stage mm-hmm. of where distances are suddenly achievable and and fun and you can it means that if you're doing your 10 mile run it means you can go to places that make the run you know way more interesting but the the coming down at that training when suddenly it all seems so hard but you forget how easy it is to get yourself back up again because of Mm. muscle memory and all those kind of lovely things so yeah um yeah so so was what was running in lockdown like was there any going on yeah you know I've been very consistent but I haven't gone very far. Obviously, mm. no one has. It's like, yes, me and you, every, all of us, probably the same. I haven't, my, like, I don't, I haven't done distant. Like, my distance has not really got further than sort of 7K. You know, I don't, I haven't, but that's okay. And I'm like, this is fine. I, I just carry on. I just go out there, get the, you know, just do it. Keep myself fairly, um, yeah consistent don't and that and that's fine and I like that you know yeah. it's it's sort of like upkeep running it's certainly for my head I've needed it you know yeah 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 um so yes I have I've run consistently throughout the pandemic I've been running away from my own head <laughs> as we all do I yeah think. <laughs> yeah each morning <laughs> get out 
Well, also because I was like, this is the only time I'm allowed to get out of the house, you know? It's like, one day we, we did have to isolate for a bit. And my husband said, I wonder, I bet you can't run 5K around the back garden. And I was like, okay, a challenge. And our garden is tiny. And I did, I did it. And I was like, I felt really dizzy afterwards. I was like a dog, like chasing its tail. Uh, And the map on my Apple Watch was really funny. It was like... (laughs) (laughs) Just a scribble. Yeah, Yeah, basically. But I did it. So, and I was like, "Mm, I think I prefer running like outside, like with a... Yeah, I suppose just on the spot, basically. Yeah, I didn't enjoy those virtual challengey things that much I had to I think I was climbing up Snowden um on my stairs and my dad was doing the same in his house in Liverpool and he's an achiever so he he made it he made it to the top we were sort of whatsapping the whole way through and I made it halfway up and I was like you know what I'm just going to get airlifted it off now <laughs> yeah <laughs> Airlift me off this challenge. Yeah, <laughs> I, t- I totally get it. Like I don't, like the, I don't know. I I I I have never got. I I can't imagine ever getting into anything like Peloton or something like that. <laughs> but but like fair play to people who do. But that's probably more to do with the fact that I hate cycling. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not keen either. But maybe it'll come to me. I don't know. Um, and I, I, I wanted to talk to you too because um, I think you live quite close to um, Clapham Common. I do, yeah. So all of Sarah Everard must have been so, so kind of pertinent, so close to home, so terrifying. What did that feel like? I don't. I think I don't think it felt. I didn't feel terrified, but then I'm not that. You know, I'm. I think it was. Very, I just found it very sad. Like she went missing from a, a like literally a few yards you know she left us was on the, on the next street along so mm. it's very like, these things are just very um sad I, a friend of mine said this is it kind of got to me and she said and he lives around the corner as well and she was like I could have given her a lift home and I felt this sort of like because that's not the it's not the yeah I'm very aware that for a lot of people running doesn't ever feel safe, you know, um, and it can feel very threatening sometimes. I think because I run with another friend all the time and because I'm a little bit older as well, you know, I'm, I'm in my forties. I've sort of gone past that, but I have had experiences when I was, um, you know, where people, men say lewd things, you know, and I, uh, it makes me just feel really angry. It makes me feel angry. Like I, I, I don't. It's, it's, it's very odd when you're like, you know, we we run past the bandstand, and obviously that's become this sort of beautiful shrine to to her. And but I, I, you know, I try and focus on like what, the good stuff. Like people are fundamentally good. Like it's so lovely that every time we run, we run past, we're like, oh, people have done this beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. So someone has done something ugly and disgusting and horrific and, you know, but most people have come together to do this beautiful thing. I feel really grateful to live in a community that reacted in the way that it did yeah. rather than, do you know what I mean? Like it, it was really people, you know, people sending, you know, all our, the, the, res- the neighbour WhatsApp groups, everyone sending around the poster and all of that and um but it's you know it is it's horrible it's horrible i'd like it if it would be nice if that sort of that sort of shrine for her stayed in some way you know i don't know you'd have to speak to her family about that i i can't answer but yeah mm. my answer would be that you know i try and remember that people are mostly good yeah and i think i think um if if we've got any silver linings to grab from 2020, that kind of that sense of community that you were talking about, I think there's, it certainly feels like it where I live. There's that, that it's not that it wasn't neighborly to begin with, but the kind of the WhatsApp groups that have sprung up, the kind of the care for your neighbors and, you know, looking out for people generally. Yeah. I think, I think we can, um, you know, we can focus. Obviously, it's been shit. Don't get me wrong. Mm. But I also, 
I watched this. I watched this Gerard Butler movie the other day where like the world was ending. <laughs> Gerard had to save it. Obviously, people were like looting, shooting, and I was like, I watched it. I said to my husband, "Do you know what? Everyone was none of that didn't really happen, did it? It was like mm-hmm. we were like, let's paint rainbows and put them in the window. Let's all come out onto our doorsteps and clap." And I was like, you know, when push comes to shove, we all are quite generous, kind human beings. Do you know what I mean? Um, and that. I think is a is a fantastic thing. Yeah, I think it's absolutely lovely. Because I, d- I did think it was going to be Gerard Butler. Well, I didn't. I didn't ever envisage Gerard Butler, but I did envisage looting and kind of people generally just going completely feral. No, so, they got a bit worried about loo paper, but otherwise it was fine. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like and flour. Don't forget the flour. flour That's a yeah. nightmare around here. You know, <laughs> people are essentially good and kind yes people yeah, are because people are, are generally lovely but there will always be bastards i think is the yeah. is the thing <clears throat> yeah for sure um i don't really know what else to ask you apart from when you're going for your next run oh on thursday oh, i did have something to ask you yeah because when you start your podcasts you always ask which I should have done right at the beginning <laughs> how are you feeling right now and i bet you're like massively deflated aren't you if i'm <laughs> I'm like, well, oh, I'm feeling rubbish because I've just had this terrible interview. No, 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 no. Um, I am, I'm good today. It's a nice day. I'm wearing a dress. I haven't worn a dress for God knows how long. And I'm going to go for a swim at the local Lido. I've booked a slot, which I'm really excited about. It's going to be absolutely freezing, but I think it will be really nice kind of add on to the running, you know, like an ice bath. That's almost uh, like a triathlon you're doing. Maybe you should. <laughs> no, I can't. I did do a triathlon once, like a mini triathlon. And uh, the swimming I was really good at. The, the, the cycling I was like, I can't. I hate cycling. I don't know. I try, I try to do the, whatever the equivalent is of the London Marathon, Ride London. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I just gave up, like, t- four weeks into the training my I trained with my friend and we went to Cornwall and I did this like and I was like this is my bum hurts I'm scared of the bike I'm scared of going down hills I just I like didn't want my feet stuck in the thick I just was scared I was scared I was like I don't have any control over this machine my friend was like you do have control I'm like no 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 you don't understand I'm shit I can't drive I've never had a lesson like I'm the kind of person like when I looked at the Suez Canal cargo ship I'm like that is that is what I would do if I could drive and it's the same kind of thing that I'll do I'll do I'll I'll make a hash out of the bike somehow so it's like just I'm gonna get off this bike and leave it to other people (laughs) fair enough I'll do the duathlon you know a little little run and then a nice cooling swim afterwards (laughs) I think that's like a holiday that's called a holiday (laughs) a triathlon which is kind of run swim sauna I did go, I did go, I did do a mini triathlon in Sardinia, which was ace. But I came second to last. I blame the bike. Well, there you go. And they were all going, Forza, Forza, you can do it. And I was like, I know I can do it. I just don't want to do it. (laughs) Anyway, I, that's, that's, I'll, I'll, if you, if you send me on holiday, I might agree to doing a trip to doing a triathlon at the you know at the last day or whatever <laughs> a mini one yeah a mini one <laughs> and your next one's going to be sorry i interrupted that one i'm going to go for a run on thursday i'm just going to go for a normal little run with emma i'm going to try and do slightly long, longer yeah and i'm going to try and do slightly longer one on saturday um because obviously we've got the uh vitality 10k we do yeah the end of may yeah, yeah. so, so be a lovely thing to do yeah, I think I'm going to get myself, we're going to get an Uber to like Richmond Park and run back because I need to just shake it up. I need a different route, you know, and now we're allowed to go a bit further afield. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be yeah. a lovely thing to do. Yeah, no, I love doing that in, in October. There was definitely a kind of, uh, just like the virtual London Marathon, there was definitely a community feel, even though you're doing it virtually. So that was actually really rather lovely, I thought. Well, we did it because because we... Me and Jada obviously <laughs> did. Uh, we took our underwear running to the Vitality <laughs> London 10K did, and we yeah. created um, Celebrate You with. So it's, yeah, it's a fun thing. I love, you know, we do with, with you and, you know, um, 
Yeah, I can do like a virtual 10K, but I don't think I'd want to do anything longer than that. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) Oh, thanks for talking to me, Bryony. Oh, thanks, Esther. It was really nice. Please join us at the Virtual Vitality London 10,000 this May. So many people do it, you're bound to see lots of fellow runners and walkers proudly wearing their numbers during half-term, and it has such a lovely community feel. You can walk, jog or run your 10k, time is not an issue. The only emphasis is on the time you'll have to yourself. Go to vitalitylondon10,000.co.uk and sign up. And if you choose women's running as where you've heard about it, you'll be automatically entered into a competition to win a gorgeous pair of New Balance shoes too. What's not to love? Podcast listeners can claim the best discount we have for membership to Women's Running. Honest, it's better than anything anywhere else. Go to shop.womensrunning.co.uk and enter WRPOD at the checkout to get a whopping 35% off as well as access to loads of discounts and freebies. Come and join Women's Running. We'd love to have you with us. Happy running. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.